0: Well, we know that he can sing, and now we know he can play the organ, at least one note on the organ. So thank you, Ron, for being such a blessing to us during these days in camp meeting. I invite you tonight to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, we'll pick up the reading tonight in verse 11 of Galatians chapter 2. But while you're turning in your Bibles uh, to Galatians... I want to highlight uh, a new ministry. I have the privilege of working at the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. Uh, I'm on staff there, and uh, we're a group of about 20,000 uh, Christian healthcare professors, uh, professionals across the United States, and we have uh, an additional ministry around the world. And um, We've just put together a brand new ministry called uh, Bridging the Gap, and it is a, a free curriculum for churches bringing together faith and science on some critical issues. Uh, Some session topics on addictions, beginning-of-life issues, end-of-life issues, gender identity, right of conscience, and sexuality. It's an eight-week course for churches bringing together medically sound uh, principles and biblically sound uh, principles and practices. And this is absolutely free. And if you'll just uh, uh, type in on a computer, cmd8.org, slash Bridging the Gap, you can go to our website, And download this and use this in your churches absolutely free. And uh, if you have any questions about that in the remaining part of camp, I'd love to talk to you about this free curriculum that you can use uh, in your churches. Also today, I was on a staff meeting uh, with Ron Brown. And he's one of your missionaries here at uh, Camp Syker. And uh, Ron now works with me uh, in the Center for Well-Being at the CMDA. And uh, Ron's doing a great job. And he asked me to express his appreciation for the camp. Uh, For your faithful support, Uh, he's focusing right now on coaching medical missionaries around the world, around the globe. A lot of medical personnel in our country are struggling with being burned out. Uh, A massive number of medical personnel are leaving medicine. And we're spending a lot of time trying to encourage them spiritually and and help them through some very difficult times. So Ron and Becky said to say thank you and uh, to tell you how much they love Camp or they'd planned on being here this week but they're moving into a new house and and they had to move in this week so pray for them continue to support them and we appreciate your help on that galatians chapter 2 i'm going to pick up the reading at verse 11 but when peter came to antioch i had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong and when he first arrived he ate with the gentile christians who were not circumcised But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from those people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish Christians followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter, In front of all the others, since you are a Jew by birth and have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? Verse 15. You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God Because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Will you pray with me? Lord, I ask that in these next few moments that you would reveal your word to our hearts. Lord, I pray as we take a look through this passage of scripture, as as Dr. John was saying this morning in Bible study, may the word of God penetrate our hearts. May the Word be able tonight to capture our attention. And may your Word find a resting place within our hearts and minds tonight on this critical subject that you've led me to speak on this evening. And I pray that in these next few moments, the Holy Spirit would have freedom to work in this tabernacle and to those who are watching online through Facebook this evening. Lord, would you speak to us For your servants are listening, and I pray that when we hear your voice tonight, we will respond in obedience to your truth. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Do you remember being a child and playing dress-up? Do you remember those, those fun days as a kid where you were pretending to be someone that you weren't? One of my, some of my fond memories, my kids are all grown now, but some of my fond memories of my own kids are when they were younger, and they loved to play dress-up. And sometimes it was my daughter playing a, a princess, and sometimes it was my, uh, my sons playing uh, we- with their weapons, and they were soldiers and using their swords in battle. And when kids play dress-up, it's awfully cute, isn't it? But the problem is, when we grow up, It's no longer cute when we're pretending to be someone that we're not. It's an acute problem. It's not cute, but it happens all the time. Charles Spurgeon said this, Of all the things in the world that stink in the nostrils of men, hypocrisy is the worst. You see, this this stench of hypocrisy is is an offensive odor. It's not a sweet-smelling aroma that is attractive to others. And we find this is a common problem in many Christian circles today and even among many holiness circles where people are pretending to be someone that they're not. Spurgeon also said that periodical godliness is perpetual hypocrisy. Periodical godliness is perpetual hypocrisy and it's a cute problem. It's not cute at all. When our walk does not match our talk, We become hypocrites or hypocritical. Hypocrisy is, is by definition, is pretending or playing a part, believing one thing and behaving another way. Believing one way. We have a certain set of beliefs that we have. And if I were to ask you tonight, what are your beliefs? If I was to to take inventory of some beliefs about uh, salvation, many of you would raise your hand in agreement. If I were to talk about some of the theology tonight, some of our beliefs About holiness and sanctification and living a godly life many would raise their hands and say I believe and we would verbalize those beliefs and yet there is a problem there are many who have an acute problem of pretending to be something that they're not and their behavior does not match their beliefs this word hypocrisy or hypocritical is a very interesting word that's used throughout the New Testament throughout the Bible the idea of hypocrisy The word hypocrite literally means to wear a mask. And we're not talking about COVID, we're not talking about uh, that kind of a mask. We're talking about a mask that was an image of something worn in, in the old times in the theater by an actor playing a particular part and they would get behind the mask and they would become the part that they were playing and they would pretend and they would act during the midst of their performance and many people would clap and applaud the amazing performance of the person wearing the mask and performing to be something that they were not. As I began to think about the idea and definition of hypocrisy, I, I wrote down these words. Hypocrisy is when, you pra- when what you practice is persistently different than what you profess. Hypocrisy is when you, what you practice is persistently different than what you profess. These people wearing the mask are more interested in performing than they are conforming and transforming into the very image of Christ. And that's what Christ has called us to do. That's what God's called us to do in Christ Jesus, to be conforming to his image and transforming by the renewing of our mind. But there are many tonight who are just performing, wearing the mask, hiding behind the truth that they are not who they say they are. And I can tell you tonight with certainty that appearance always trumps authenticity. Appearance always trumps authenticity. And one of the great words that's used in our culture today is this idea of authenticity. We, we like authenticity. We like people who are real, people who don't play a part. And yet, in our Christian circles, the idea of putting on the appearance of, Of everything's okay. Jesus talked about to the Pharisees, who he also called hypocrites. He said, They love to clean the outside of the cup, but inside they are full of dead men's bones, dead men's bones, and they are full of hypocrisy. Why? Because appearance in their minds trumps authenticity. We have a natural tendency towards hypocrisy if we're not following hard after Christ, if we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to infiltrate our heart and our mind if we're not honest with ourselves if we're not honest with others we have this natural tendency towards hypocrisy and it's acute not cute let's look at the background of this story that i read for us tonight in galatians chapter 2 in jewish tradition there was a special connection with someone when you shared a meal together We understand what that's been like. I mean, we've had some great times of services and great times of connecting on the campground here at Camp Syker, but there's been some sweet fellowship that we've had in the cafeteria as we've shared meals together. I have thoroughly enjoyed getting to know many of you and sitting around the table and learning about you. And there was something just like that in the Jewish tradition where this special bond that took place when people gathered together for a meal. When you had a meal with someone in the Jewish culture, you are making a statement to someone. Now, you know that the Jewish people were forbidden to eat with Gentiles. In fact, uh, G- Acts chapter 10, this would be a hard habit to break. When, when Peter's wrestling with God, I talked about this the other night, this uh, never-Lord kind of statement that Peter makes, he would have completely understood when, when he began to realize that the gospel was going to take its root and spread its wings into the Gentile world, and he was supposed to go eat with Gentiles. Peter's response was, as I said the other night, never, Lord. However, Peter had not only eaten the food with the Gentiles, he was eating the food of the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10, he was eating with the Gentiles. And in that first century culture, eating with someone was a sign of accepting each other. It was a bond that you had in Christ. And when you began to eat with someone, you were saying without any words, you were communicating to that individual, that you were connected to the bond of Christ. And Peter eating with Gentiles showed that he was accepting them in Galatians chapter 2, verse 12, as his fellow Christians. This phrase, he would eat with the Gentiles, is in the imperfect tense of the verb, and it shows that the, they, had been, they had been doing this on a regular basis. This isn't something new that, that Peter is doing. He has been eating with the Gentiles on a regular basis because God had given the green light to not only eat the food of the Gentiles that had traditionally been called unclean, but now God was opening up a path for the gospel to spread to the Gentile people and they were eating on a regular basis. However, when the friends of James came, when they came from Jerusalem to Antioch, Peter began to distance himself and separated himself like the Pharisees, which Jesus called in Matthew 23, verse 13, hypocrites, because they wouldn't associate with these people that they had been eating with. The early church called these feast, love feast. And all of a sudden, in the text I read for you, the dashlight goes on in the Apostle Paul. And he says three phrases. I had to oppose him to his face. I had there there was something he had to do here because what he's witnessing is Peter, who's been eating with these people, essentially when he decides and when he begins to distance himself from these followers of Christ who are Gentiles, he's communicating to them that you no longer fit in the body of Christ. You no longer are a part of us. All because these friends of James had come from Jerusalem. And they began to influence Peter and his behavior. And he began to play, put the mask on, and he played the part of a hypocrite. And Paul, witnessing the whole thing, says, I had to oppose him. The word means to stand against, to resist, and to withstand. The message translates it like this I had to face, I had a face to face confrontation with him because he was clearly out of line. And that's the thing about hypocrisy. Everyone can see it except the person wearing the mask and hiding behind their hypocrisy. I had to oppose him to his face. Verse 14, in front of everyone. To his face and in front of everyone. Now in Jewish piety, it demanded that reproof or correction be made in private. You never corrected someone in in public. And yet, Peter said, Paul says, I had to oppose him to his face. And you get the sense in this passage of Scripture in Galatians that Paul is passionate about opposing hypocrisy. And the question I want to ask tonight is why? Why was this such a big deal to the Apostle Paul? Why does Paul go against Jewish tradition? And why does Paul so in, intentionally oppose Peter to his face when tradition says he shouldn't and he should do it privately if he does. Well, many Christians are making the mistake of opposing people improperly and we'll talk about that at the end of the message. But let's take a look at tonight some reasons. Five reasons why Paul strongly opposed hypocrisy. If you have a piece of paper, I'd love for you to write these down because I think this is a, an acute problem In the day we're living in, number one, Paul strongly opposed hypocrisy because it causes you to do the wrong thing even when you know what's right. Paul strongly opposed this idea of hypocrisy because hypocrisy causes you to do things that are wrong even when you know what the right thing to do is. What Peter did wasn't just wrong, Paul says it was very wrong. And that's why I had to oppose him to his face. If you remember in Acts chapter 10 and chapter 11, as I mentioned just a moment ago, uh, the Lord had appeared to Peter uh, in a dream and revealed this sheet that it came down with unclean animals on the sheet. And as I said a moment ago, that Peter had, had responded to that, never, Lord, I'm never going to do that. You know this is unclean and I cannot do this. But the Lord had clearly spoken to Peter. Peter knew that in this situation, God had given him permission to change his beliefs because God was taking the gospel to the Gentile world and he was free not only to go with these three men who had come to his house, he was able, free to go eat with them and he was free to do these things. Chapter, so verse 34 says, Peter said, I can clearly see. He understood what the Lord was giving him permission to do. He knew the right thing to do. And what God, what God had spoke to his heart. Remember what James chapter 4, verse 17 says? Remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and not do it. There's no sense in this story that Peter doesn't know the right thing to do. Peter's not arguing with the Lord any longer. He knows he's been, comp- been given permission to eat the food and have the meal together as brothers and sisters in Christ the Jews and the Gentiles. But the hypocrisy causes you to do wrong things even though you know what's right. Luke chapter 12, verse 47 and 48 says this, And the servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. John 13, verse 17, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You see, Peter knew better. He didn't change his beliefs. He just changed his behavior based on who was around. Romans chapter 2, verse 21. You who say, do you do? And that's a question for the Apostle Peter tonight. Why did Paul oppose hypocrisy? Because it causes you to do the wrong thing, even though you know in your heart and in your mind what's right. Number two. Paul greatly opposed hypocrisy because your behavior will waver depending on who you're spending your time with. Your your behavior will waver depending on who you're spending your time with. Notice verse 12. Remember that Peter had, in the past, been eating with these Gentile new believers. Until when? Until some of the friends of James came from Jerusalem. And when they showed up, They were opinionated about what Peter was doing. And because they had come from the city of David and they'd they'd come from Jerusalem, Peter was intimidated, and he began to waver in his beliefs. And he began to waver in his behavior based on who he was spending his time with. This has now become a new habit for Peter. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 26, verses 69 to 74? Remember, Peter had promised Jesus, Lord, even if all these other disciples, they fail you and they forsake you, I I will never, ever fail you, all these promises that Peter made to Jesus. When he was with Jesus, he could make those promises. But what happened when he got around a little girl, when he got outside of the presence of Jesus, when he got around the campfire with some unbelievers, and they said, hey, wait a minute, you're one of his. Your speech Gives you away. You know what he did? He began to waver in his behavior, and he began to curse. And he said, "I don't even know who this man is." Why did Paul so greatly oppose hypocrisy? Because your behavior will waver depending on who you're spending time with. How many of you realize something tonight? It's not that hard to live a, a holy and godly life at camp meeting. Amen? I mean, how many of you are doing pretty good this week, living a holy life? I mean, some of you may be struggling this week, but I want to tell you something. It's a lot easier to do it here. The test comes when we go back home, when we get around unchurched friends and unsaved people. We get around people who claim to be Christians but, but aren't really living the life. When we go back to our other friend group, listen, why do we have to oppose hypocrisy? Because your behavior will, will waver depending on who you're spending time with. Number three, Paul greatly opposed this idea of hypocrisy because it allows the opinion of others to take dominion over obeying God's word in your life. It allows the opinion of others, what James and his friends think, as opposed to what God said in his word. Do you realize there are a lot of people trying to keep rules today that God never talked about in his his word? There are all kinds of standards that people put up. We talked about this the other day, about the kind of clothing we should be wearing as Christ followers and as holy people. There, there are all kinds of rules and regulations. And when James' friends shows up, they don't like this idea that Peter is eating with Gentiles, so they begin to put the pressure on him. And James is already afraid of the criticism of the group, the leaders in Jerusalem And so he allows the opinion of others to take dominion in his life, even though he knows what God's Word has said. Don't forget that Peter had already been eating with the Gentiles until James and his guest has arrived. But he's completely afraid of the criticism of his religious leaders, so he changes his behavior. Proverbs 29, verse 25 says this, Fearing people (coughs) is a dangerous trap. And it leads us to live, live and lead a life of hypocrisy where the opinions of others take dominion over obeying God's word and what he's called us to do. The fourth reason I believe that Paul so greatly opposed hypocrisy in the church, this acute problem in our, in our Christian circles today, is that the result is that others default to following your bad example. The result is that others default to following your bad example. Notice that phrase here in verse 13. As a result of what these people had seen. As a result of Peter's bad behavior. Peter knew what he was supposed to do. He knew what was right. He knew that he was wearing a mask and pretending to be something that he wasn't. But as a result of his performance... As a result of his play acting in front of all these people, because of the pressure that he got from the religious friends of James in Jerusalem, other people are defaulting to his behavior. That's why spiritual leadership is so important. You can testify to anything you want to tonight. You can say, I believe, I believe. But what people are paying attention to is your behavior. And you're either leading people in the right direction about what is right or in the wrong direction about what is wrong. And if you're playing the, the role of a hypocrite tonight in terms of who you are, what you believe versus how you behave, I want to tell you something dangerous. Other people are following your behavior. Parents, sometimes we like to focus on kids. But I want, to, I want you to know that your kids are noticing your real behavior, not what you profess. They're focusing on what you practice tonight. And as a result of a lot of hypocrisy in the home over the years, there are a lot of second and third generation Christians who are no longer walking with the Lord. And as a result, many of the other Jewish believers began to play the part as well. And they began to play the role of a hypocrite. The Jewish believers followed his example. And as a result, listen to this. Even Barnabas played the role of a hypocrite. Barnabas. That one who's been so, will be so engaging. One of these key leaders, this this son of encouragement, this, this historic figure in the New Testament. Because Peter's example, because Peter's wearing a mask and hiding behind the mask and not doing what he knows is right and playing another part because he's afraid of the criticism of others, the cast behind the mask is growing. The cast behind the mask is growing. And there are many people tonight because there are so many people that are playing this part of a hypocrite that the number of people that are playing that are growing. Someone once said the sins of teachers are the teachers of sins. Number five, Paul greatly opposed hypocrisy because it will deceive those who believe they are walking in the truth. It will deceive those who believe they are walking in the truth. Verse 14, as you read through this passage of Scripture, you get no sense that Peter has the sense that what he's doing is actually sinning. And that's why the dashboard light goes off for the Apostle Paul. And he said, I had to oppose him face to face. I had to to oppose him in front of everybody else because Peter didn't get it. He was playing behind this mask, had this acute problem that was so serious... (coughs) that he began to play this role comfortably. And he was playing the part so much that it just became a part of who he was. And he was completely deceived. And Satan loves that. Satan, the Scripture says in Revelation 12, is the deceiver of the brethren. He loves to deceive. And there are many people who are wearing the mask of hypocrisy tonight that are completely deceived by the enemy. Everything's okay. I mean, I, I, I say the right words, I, 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 I pretend, I perform. When I go to church, I'm able to look the part, I'm able to <clears throat> act the part. And in fact, when I'm performing, a lot of people are clapping and applauding my performance. And there's a lot of people tonight who are playing this, this hypocritical role, hiding behind the mask, who are pretty pleased with the applause that they're getting from the hearts of men and women. Peter wasn't following the gospel truth. In fact, Peter says, Paul says to Peter, uh, they were not. I had to oppose him to his face because they were not following in the gospel truth. That's an interesting phrase. It literally means they were, they, they were not walking straight-footed. Instead of walking the straight and the narrow line that we're called to walk in Scripture and to live an authentic Christian life, and to, to put our, our, our mind towards the goal, and to walk in a straight line, that's not what Peter was doing. Because he's playing the hypocrite, what Paul, what Paul says to him is, you're not walking in a straight, correct course. You're wandering from the path that you've been called, and you're, you're wandering away, and you're sidestepping where you should be walking as a Christian. And as a result, remember as a result? There are many religious believers, Jewish believers, and even Barnabas who are now on the wrong path because of the mask of hypocrisy. I quickly deny, let me just give you a few observations that I think are significant. Number 1, hypocrisy can plague even the pillars of the church. I said it again, Hypocrisy can plague even the pillars of the church. This is not a sin that there are a lot of people who are living lifestyles and they're pretending to be someone they're not. They're pretending to be a faithful husband and they're not. They're pretending to be a good son, a good daughter, and they're not. They're living a lie in front of other people and they're living that. But I want you to know, this is not reserved for those kind of people. This is... Idea of hypocrisy can plague even those who are pillars of the church. In fact, Galatians chapter 2, verse 9 describes Peter as one of the pillars of the church. Christ's followers are not immune to hypocrisy. The second truth that I observation I make about hypocrisy tonight is this hypocrisy prohibits the power of Christ at work in our midst. It prohibits the power of Christ at work in our midst. Did you realize that Jesus couldn't do a whole lot of work among the Pharisees, who he called the hypocrites? The blind guides of the blind. The broad of vipers. You realize that there, there are moments when Jesus is ministering to the masses and to the crowds and to his followers, to his disciples, and there's a great move of the Spirit of God. There's God's anointing on Jesus, and he's working through the crowd. But you realize we don't read a whole lot about God's spirit working through the Pharisees and the hypocrites of Jesus day. Why is that? Cuz they're deceived. They think they're right. They don't realize that they're they're putting heavy burdens on other people that they don't selves carry out or do. They are putting heavy heavy burdens on other people. And let me tell you something tonight. When the church is filled with hypocrisy, there's a limit to what God will do. Not what he can do, but what God will do in the life of the church. That's why Paul strongly opposed hypocrisy. And we've got to deal with this acute problem tonight that is so prevalent in our Christian circles, in our holiness circles. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5 that Dr. John's been teaching on. It says in the New Living Translation, they act religious. That's what the the Pharisees did. And Jesus didn't work among them. The third observation tonight is this hypocrisy, when confronted, proves the purity in our hearts. Hypocrisy, when confronted, proves the purity that's in our hearts. Now, remember, I just said to you just a few moments ago that Peter was a pillar in the church. And here comes the new guy, Paul, who is relatively new to the scene and and to the work of, of Christ. And he's a new follower. He met Jesus on the Damascus Road. And the new guy is publicly calling out the pillar in the church for hypocrisy. How many of you have been sitting back? If you're a pillar in the church tonight... And some young follower of Christ who's been encountered the Holy Spirit, he came up to you and said, "Listen, you're—I'm opposing you to your face. You're living a hypoc- hypocritical life." How many of you are like, okay, okay? Or how many of you think you'd be saying, "Who do you think you are?" We learn a lot in this passage of Scripture about how to oppose hypocrisy. From Paul, we learn how to oppose. The Scripture tells us he did it immediately, right away. He, let it, he didn't let it time pass. He did it directly. He did it to Peter and not behind his back. Did you hear what I said? He, what we do in religious circles, especially holiness circles, is we don't say anything to them face to face. We just go behind their back and talk evil about them. We slander them. Paul did it immediately. He did it directly to his face, not behind his back. He did it publicly. Why? Because Peter's actions were very, very public. And he did it truthfully and lovingly. In 2 Peter 3, verse 15 and 16, Peter refers to Paul later on as my beloved brother. We learn from Paul how to oppose hypocrisy. And we learn from Peter tonight how to stay composed when we're being confronted about our hypocrisy. Remember, Peter's the top disciple. He's the pillar of the church. He's the one who has all the respect and all the admiration of being the rock that the church is going to be built on. But Peter is composed, and we see what his true heart is all about. Listen to this verse and remember the story we are studying. 1 Peter 2, verse 1. At a later period in Peter's life. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with deceit. Be done with hypocrisy and jealousy and all kinds of unkind speech. Like newborn babes, you must crave the pure spiritual milk so you can grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's goodness. What's Peter saying? I think he's looking back to this experience with Paul, and he's saying, listen, get rid of all hypocrisy. Lay it aside. The illusion in this story is to putting off clothes. The other day we talked about what we're to put on as godly people. But in this particular passage of Scripture, what Peter's saying at the climax of his life and of his ministry, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 is, Listen, take all those clothing of hypocrisy and deceit and jealousy and all kinds of evil speech and take them off and throw them away. Have you ever had your clothes, had them on and you're out working, doing something that was messy, and when you came in, they were, they were so disgustingly dirty that you just took them off and threw them away. You didn't even burden trying to wash them, because they were so disgusting. And that's what Paul is challenging Peter. And Peter, and later in his life, he admonishes us as one former hypocrite pretending to be someone he wasn't because of the fear of other people. He's thrown away. Get rid of it. Let God clothe you with something significant. The Barclay Translation translates it like this: Strip off, therefore, all the evil of the heathen world and all of its deceitfulness, its acts of hypocrisy and feelings of envy, and all gossiping disregardments of other people, and like newborn babes, yearn for the unadulterated milk of the Word, so that you may grow up thereby. In closing, let me give you a picture here. I have a leadership teaching in a, 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 a class that I love to teach on the leadership pre- principles of the Apostle Peter. And the Apostle Peter is mentioned four times in, through, throughout Scripture. His story found in the Gospels, and in the Gospels he is the natural leader. He's just a naturally born leader. He does some stupid stuff, but he's a naturally born leader. He's always chopping off some soldier's ears, but he's a natural leader. We read him in the book of Acts, and he's not a natural leader any longer. He's a supernatural leader because he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. So he moves from the Gospels, from being a natural leader, a naturally gifted tendency that he has, gifts of leadership that he has. But now he's, he's waited on the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's speaking up, and thousands of people are coming to know Christ, and they're repenting of their sins. Why? Because he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. But in Galatians, he becomes a hypocritical leader. Why is that? Because oftentimes a natural leader who's been filled with the spirit who becomes a spiritual leader or a supernatural leader often allows pride or things to settle in, and usually it's at the heart of hypocrisy. And this great pillar of the church is living behind a mask and playing the hypocrite. And there's a critical moment here in his story because as Paul comes to confront him, on his actions, the mask that he's hiding behind, he can either shut him down and cast him away and say, who do you think you are? I am a natural and a supernatural leader and I'm a pillar of the church. Get away from us, Paul. But he humbled himself. He took off those filthy clothes of hypocrisy and he threw them away. And the last time we see of Peter in the Bible is in the epistles first and second peter and now he is a spiritual leader with godliness and wisdom and maturity why because the apostle paul confronted the hypocrisy in his life can i say this to us tonight in closing hypocrisy is hindering the spread of the gospel. And until we come to the point in our lives where we take off the mask and ask the Holy Spirit to transform us into his likeness and stop playing a hypocritical part. Listen, friends, it's not cute any longer. It's acute and it's dangerous. And it's destroying our witness. Will you stand with me tonight? Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that the words and the meditations of my heart tonight would be pleasing in your sight. And Lord, I pray that there be a spirit of conviction that falls on this church, not because of anything that I said this evening, but because your spirit and your word is penetrating our hearts. So as we sing tonight, church, will you come and take off the mask and leave it here at the altar tonight and let God transform you?